What's up, you creeps? Did you miss me? I missed you. I'm so happy to be back. I had the time of my life last week in New Orleans, so let me tell you all about it. First of all, New Orleans during Mardi Gras honestly has to be like a bucket list item for everybody. Like, if you never considered it, please consider it because honestly, there is nothing like it. Like, the parades, the carnivals, the decorations, the people. Bourbon Street on Mardi Gras is like a life-changing experience. Oh my God, I got so excited. I didn't even do my intro. Welcome back to the Hello Sydney podcast, a podcast for horror lovers where we discuss any and all things horror. It's me, your host, Sydney. And again, I'm still reeling from the high that is New Orleans. And obviously, since this is a horror podcast, let me tell you about all the spooky shit that I did, which honestly is like, most of what the whole trip encompassed. One of my bucket list items has always been to go to the Museum of Death in Hollywood, and I've never been to California. And I show up to New Orleans and I find out that there is a Museum of Death there, which like I had no idea. So that was super exciting. I did that on day one. It was fucking wild. You can't take any pictures or videos inside because there's pictures like there's legit crime scene photos. So I totally understand and I also understand why people pass out in there pretty frequently because it was it was pretty aggressive, honestly. If you're familiar with Jack Kevorkian, Dr. Death, he's the one that like assisted suicided a bunch of his fucking patients and they had the machine that he used to kill them, which was super fucking spooky. We did a shit ton of ghost tours. So there's this place called Unique Nola and they have this little shop that's like voodoo and horror themed. So they have a bunch of voodoo stuff. They have a bunch of like horror collectibles. And they also do a bunch of like different tours. So we did a ghost tour with them and we did a true crime tour with them. The Vampire Cafe was one of my favorite places. They serve you drinks in a blood bag and it's like a, I forget what it is. It was like a pomegranate vodka something. It was honestly fucking delicious and it was just like such a vibe. And then I'll tell you guys how to get to the speakeasy. I didn't share this on the TikTok I did about New Orleans, but I will share it here. So basically you go into the vampire boutique, which is like right next door to the vampire cafe and you ask for the invitation or the purple card and then you'll get the purple card and it gives you instructions to go to, I forget what the place is called. It's some like jazz restaurant. So you go in there and you go to the courtyard and you ask for the vampire. And let me tell you, I remember walking in there with my friend and I was like, how are we going to know who the vampire is? And all of a sudden this guy comes out with this like candelabra and these like super electric blue contacts and these long nails and he like looked so fucking cool and I was like yeah I think that's him and then you have to go up to him and tell him the pass password which is on the purple card and give him your invitation and then he takes you upstairs to the speakeasy which has a cat which is honestly the best part um also the balcony so you get the full like Mardi Gras bourbon street balcony experience it was so fucking cool guys honestly this whole trip like Mardi Gras is one thing, but again, if you like spooky shit, which if you're listening to me, I'm imagining that you do, this is definitely a place to go. Like, there's so much history and there's so much, like, actually really terrifying shit that happened, like, in this little town, not little town, big town. But we went to the La Lurie mansion and shit, and, like, that shit was so chilling. If you've seen American Horror Story Coven, obviously you know who Madame LaLaurie is, but if you didn't or if you just like are blacking it out because she's a sick fuck, I totally understand, but she basically like killed and tortured a whole bunch of her slaves back in the day and like she had this thing called the punishment room and that's where she would like lock them up and chain them to these mechanisms and just fucking torture and kill them. And that room actually still exists and the house is now owned by a couple, like privately owned. And like, I just can't imagine ever wanting to own something like that and like live in something like that. Like, 
it just it must just carry such a bad energy especially the fact that the fucking punishment punishment room is still there no fucking thank you if i sound like shit honestly it's because i feel like shit because ever since i came back from this trip i think my body is just like rejecting healthy air because honestly like yeah bourbon street can absolutely get a little gross uh so i don't know what the fuck i was breathing in but I think my body is just purging. So excuse me if I sound like I'm dying. Anyway, yeah, New Orleans could not recommend it enough. I'll probably be going back next year for Mardi Gras around the same time as well. Can't fucking wait. But anyway, today's episode is going to be like super informal. And this is actually when I like kind of first started this podcast, I put up a TikTok asking what everybody wanted to see. And somebody recommended doing like favorite horror by decade. And I think that's actually a really good idea because I have so many movies that I just love that I've never really talked about a lot because there's just so many of them. And I think like breaking it down by decade is a really good way to do that. So that's what I'm going to do. And I'm actually going to start with the 70s and I'm not trying to like knock 60s horror. The only reason I'm actually doing that is because I want to watch a lot more movies from the 60s before I can make like an educated and accurate call as to which movies are my favorite not hating on the 60s if in fact my favorite horror movie of all time is from the 60s aka psycho from 1960 so when i do episodes like this i go by my list that i have so if you've heard me talk about it before you know what i'm talking about but basically it's like a 24 page like single spaced word document listing every horror movie i've ever seen in my life or at least like for the most part, because I only started this within the last few years. So there's definitely a lot of like random movies that are not on here, but I have them all like obviously organized by the year that they came out and alphabetized in that year. So yes, like I think the 60s was a really iconic year for horror and like looking at my list, I don't realize it until I look at this list, like how many iconic movies came out in the 60s. So like I said, like Psycho is my absolute favorite. Two horror movies that are also a couple of my favorites that get like little to no recognition, I feel like. First is Eyes Without a Face from 1960. This is a French movie and like it was so ahead of its time and so brutal for its time. Like there's literally a scene of a doctor peeling a woman's face off and like it's all in black and white and it's just super fucking eerie and it's just such a good movie and I feel like nobody ever discusses it. I feel like it's really the first french extremism horror movie if you really think about it and then the other one that i think is really underrated that i absolutely fucking love is carnival of souls from 1962 and uh i'm gonna give a spoiler for this movie so skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear it but i feel like this movie was the first like oh the main character has been dead the whole time movie and like she didn't realize it until the end and i think it's just so fucking iconic and like there's such this cre it's another one that's in black and white and like Black and white makes it creepier because there's actually an option that you can watch this one in color, but don't do it. If you watch it, watch it in fucking black and white. There is this creepy ass man. There is this creepy ass piano song that will haunt you in your sleep for days to come after you watch this. I fucking love this movie. And then, of course, the 60s also brought us Night of the Living Dead, which is the zombie movie to rule all other zombie movies. The mother of all zombie movies. It really set the standard and the precedent for what a zombie movie is supposed to be. And George Romero is an absolute fucking king and nobody could ever tell me differently. And that same year in 1968, we also got Rosemary's Baby, which actually um, I very much respect Rosemary's Baby and respect the place that it has in the horror community. But this is one that I personally just don't think held up. Like, I think if you look back at it, it's like over two hours long and it just drags a lot and uh, it has its moments, but... It it doesn't really do it for me. It's not a personal favorite. Anyway, now that I said I was starting with the 70s and I've spent the last 10 minutes talking about 60s horror movies, let's jump right into it. So 
basically I'm just going to count down like my top 10 movies from the seventies and talk about them a little bit. And then I'm going to talk about some other movies from the seventies that either like I don't like, or are some honorable mentions. So starting with an honorable mention and people might think this is like blasphemous to not put this in my top 10, which like I kind of agree and it almost made it, but it's 1977's Suspiria by Dario Argento. Now, this is a movie that I actually want to revisit because admittedly, I've only watched it one time. And this is also one where I did not watch the remake. I've heard very mixed reviews about the remake. Like I heard people either loved it or hated it. So I don't really know. I'm honestly not in a rush to watch it. I don't really feel the need to watch it. But I would say that Suspiria is the most visibly beautiful horror movie ever created. Maybe movie period, like outside of horror. Like just the Dario Argento's use of color in this movie is so stunning and so satisfying. And the way that he uses color to tell a story is like nothing I've ever seen a director do before. But now getting into my top 10 and number 10, I have a movie that I think is criminally underrated. And I think that people don't even know about it all. And I mean, I guess you could really consider it more of like a crime or like a thriller movie, but it's called Female Prisoner Scorpion. And it came out in 1972. And um, if you are a fan of Kill Bill, you will be a fan of this movie and you will very much see that Quentin Tarantino basically ripped off this movie when he made Kill Bill. Down to the point of like the main actress in this movie, I might butcher this, I'm so sorry. Her name is Maiko Kaji. This is a Japanese series, by the way, they made it into a series. And uh, the main song that is used in Kill Bill is the same song that is used in Female Prisoner Scorpion, like the Japanese song. And it's sung by Meiko Kaji. And again, if you don't understand by the fact that I said Quentin basically ripped off this movie for Kill Bill, this is a revenge movie. And this woman is an absolute fucking badass. And at points, it gets a little bit difficult to watch because there is some like sexual assault and whatnot. But this like, it's fucking satisfying. Like what she does to these people is fucking out of this world. I never would have heard about this movie. This is one of the many movies I found out about through Shudder. Once again, not sponsored, but Shudder, if you're listening, hook a sister up. And yeah, I recommend the whole series. Honestly, again, like the main character is just such a badass and it's very empowering. So highly recommend it. Check it out if you haven't seen it. In ninth place, I have a classic, and that classic would be 1976's The Omen. Now, if you listen to my Curse Films episode, which I think was episode three, you know about all the scary shit that happened like behind the scenes and on the set of The Omen, which I think makes this movie even more terrifying, but also even more iconic. Now, this movie stars Gregory Peck, who was a huge actor at the time, like had just won an Oscar, not just won an Oscar, but won an Oscar previously for... To Kill a Mockingbird, and he was just like a serious actor. And it was shocking at the time when he was going to be the main character in a horror movie because, as everybody listening, I'm sure knows, horror is not really respected in the world of cinema. So, having such a massive actor be in a horror movie was a big freaking deal. The Omen is also a movie that I just love so much because, other than being like super iconic and ahead of its time, I love movies where everybody loses. And I know that sounds dark, but like, that's why we watch horror. Like, I don't watch horror to be happy at the end of it. I watch it to like feel hopeless. I don't know about everybody else, but like, I don't want that happy ending shit. I want a sad ending. And in The Omen, that's exactly what we get because good does not win. Good does not prevail over evil. Good loses 
evil continues on evil lives on like you don't leave this movie feeling satisfied with the ending like you leave this movie feeling fucking terrified like oh shit this kid has one fun little fact if you have seen this movie so the last shot is damien turning around and smiling at the camera so he actually wasn't supposed to smile at the camera he was supposed to like dead look into the camera and the director was just telling him because obviously he was a child playing this role and the director told him like don't smile don't smile don't laugh like you have to look at me seriously and Damien just like started smiling because he started laughing because he couldn't keep a straight face and finally the director was like all right I guess that's just like what we're gonna keep like the kid just can't keep his face straight and it ended up being like one of the most iconic shots of all time so I think it actually worked out and we're all better for it in eighth place I have another movie that might not even be considered a horror movie um anytime I bring this up somebody will always argue with me that it's not a horror movie but I don't really fucking care because I love it and it's King Kong from 1976 with Jeff Bridges and our absolute queen mother Jessica Lange so I just put up a video on TikTok today counting down my favorite American Horror Story seasons and in it I literally mentioned how I would lay down my life for Jessica Lang and I know that that sounds really dramatic but I simply do not care. This movie like personally just has a lot of sentimental value to me because I used to watch this movie with my dad a lot. It was one of his favorites and I feel like we watched it like once a week. It was pretty frequent. Um, so yeah, I really just, this movie is very near and dear to my heart and not to be like super dark and depressing, even though I'm pretty dark and depressing all the time in these, my dad is dead. So I have actually not watched this movie since he passed away, which was about almost 20 years ago at this point. Um, so I went from watching it literally every week to not watching it at all. One day I will bring myself to do it. I just, I'm not there yet. So yeah, we'll get there maybe, but regardless, it's always going to be a favorite, um, and I feel like once I do watch it, it's going to be like I never didn't watch it. Like I'll probably remember everything about it. Anyway, on to a lighter topic about a movie where a bunch of women are killed. Yay. Um, just kidding. But in seventh place, I do have Black Christmas where a bunch of women are indeed killed. Black Christmas came out in 1974. And um, I did an episode on this during Christmas season this year because this movie is really just I keep saying all these movies are iconic, but they are. And that's why they're in my top here. And like, again, 70s and 80s, honestly, I think are like arguably the most iconic decades for horror in general and there were just so many like legendary films that came out during this time and Black Christmas is one of them and doesn't always get recognized as so. Black Christmas is one of the original slashers along with Peeping Tom which came out in 1960 but um, and I mean like obviously before those there was all the Italian giallos and stuff so we can't say it's the first slasher but it was it it kind of set the stage for a lot of the tropes that we have in slasher films, like, you know, we have the final girl, the killer calling from inside the house. This movie was also directly responsible for another movie that came out in the later 70s, which is going to be in my top 10, and it's Halloween. So if it weren't for Black Christmas, we wouldn't have Halloween. And if we didn't have Halloween, we wouldn't have a lot of movies that came after. So basically, like, Black Christmas created modern horror. This movie also came out a year after the Roe v. Wade decision was made, and it tackles abortion which is really fucking ballsy to do in the 70s if you ask me and it also tackles like women's rights and women's choices and how women just aren't taken seriously and then they get fucking murdered because nobody will listen to them so uh unfortunately in 2024 that's still happening but besides that 
Black Christmas is one of the greatest horror films ever made. I will stand by that. And it is an annual rewatch for me every year. I would watch it outside of Christmas, but honestly, it's not a Christmas season if I do not watch Black Christmas. In sixth place, I have uh, the first ever film adaptation of a book of our Lord and Savior, Stephen King. And of course, that is none other than Carrie from 1976. Carrie was Stephen King's first ever novel. And um, when he saw this movie, he actually said that he preferred the movie over his own book. And like, I can't imagine a better compliment. Like, again, I know that that was his first book, but like Stephen King is literally a fucking legend an icon and like imagine him saying like oh yeah the movie you actually did it better than i wrote it both are honestly very similar though um but i honestly do agree with steven in this i do like the movie better than i like the book in this case and that's solely for sissy spacex performance as you all know i'm sure carrie was remade in 2013 and let me tell you why the 76 version is far superior. There's many reasons, actually, but there's one main reason that has always stuck out to me. The 1976 version, Carrie was ruthless. Carrie got driven to a point where she did not view the people that she was killing as human. That is how hard she was bullied. That is how hard she was pushed. And what I mean by that is... They show a scene in Carrie from 1976 about obviously like the gym teacher is super nice to her, right? Like the gym teacher is the only person that shows her any sort of humanity, both between her mom and at home. And during that gym scene, you best believe she still kills the fucking gym teacher because I think she is in such like a blind rage that she can't she doesn't even realize who she's killing at that point it's just anybody who's going to get in her way whereas in the 2013 version i think that's the year it came out in the 2013 version she shows mercy and like i think that kind of defeats the whole purpose not to mention like sissy spacex blank stare in her eye like how her eyes get really wide and she just kind of like turns and looks but then like in the 2013 version i like chloe moritz uh, i think that's how you pronounce her last name i like her but just the way she was like using her hands and like doing all these moves like Carrie in 76 didn't have to do that. She just killed everybody literally with a fucking look. And that wide eyed look is traumatizing. But I mean, this is honestly one of the original fuck around and find out movies like bully this girl and you found out real quick. In fifth place, I have the OG Texas Chainsaw from 1974. And um, I'm sure that's not surprising to anybody that's on my list. I think this honestly is one that should be on everybody's top 10 list if you're talking about 70s horror movies, because this, again, is one that just completely shaped a generation and like shaped the slasher film in general. So this came out 74, the same year as Black Christmas. And once again, it gave us like the final girl trope. And this one gave us the trope of like, okay, these friends that are traveling and they're going to get picked off one by one. And this movie, like I probably talked about the meat hook scene on this podcast a bunch of times. I talk about it on TikTok all the time, but I think that's a reason why this movie is so iconic is because it doesn't really show a whole lot, but like your brain remembers it as much more gory and much more violent than it actually is. And I think a movie that can do that is so incredible. Like in the meat hook scene, what I mean by that is when Leatherface takes the girl and goes to hang her up on the meat hook. Everybody swears they see that meat hook go into her, but you don't. They actually cut away at the perfect moment. Toby Hooper's camera work in this movie is impeccable. And he cuts away at the exact moment. But like your mind fills in those blanks and you feel like you see it go in. And like that's how good Toby Hooper does at his cinematography and does at creating this atmosphere. Yeah, when it comes to slashers, this movie is tough to beat and Leatherface is pretty untouchable. However, my fourth place movie is a slasher and it's Halloween. 
Uh, so Halloween came out in 1978, and obviously that gave us the birth of icon Michael Myers. Jamie Lee Curtis was 19 years old in this movie, and at 19 years old, she became one of the most iconic scream queens, if not the most iconic scream queen of our time. Of all time, really, I should say, of all time. This movie changed the game, and I don't think they had any idea that they were going to do that. Like This movie had such a low, super low budget to the point where... Michael Myers mask, they literally walked into like a corner store and bought a William Shatner mask because he was in Star Trek at the time, cut off the hair and spray painted it white. And they were like, yep, this is what you're going to wear. And it became literally the most iconic horror character of all time the most iconic horror look of all time maybe ever and on top of just like the characters like the slasher of course and the final girl and the story this movie also gave us the greatest horror score ever it is my ringtone everybody knows the halloween music everybody i don't care if you've never seen the movie you could play this to anybody and they will know it this is one movie honestly i don't know if i've ever met anybody that doesn't like this movie I don't know how you could not like this movie, especially like if you're a horror fan or if you don't like it, like you at least got to respect it because it paved the way for so many more movies. And without it, we would not have modern horror as we know it. So after I just talked about it and now that I'm thinking about it, I might put that one in third place and put my next one in fourth place. I think I am going to switch them. So that was technically three. So I guess in fourth place or like they're pretty close for me because I really do fucking love this movie. But it's the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland. So Alien, the movie Alien came out in 1979 and I think took over as like the Alien movie. But like I think Invasion of the Body Snatchers honestly deserves to be the Alien movie. First of all, cast is on point. We got Donald Sutherland and a young Jeff Goldblum. Like what is to not like about this movie? And this is another one that I find iconic mainly for how it ends. Spoiler alert. Uh, because once again, like humans lose. We lose in this movie. That moment where like the final woman goes to approach Donald Sutherland's character thinking it's him and he does the screech and she realizes he's an alien. You're like, oh, everybody's fucked. Like there is no getting out of this. And like again, that hopelessness is what I like at the end of horror movies. Like I like to be left when the credits roll, feeling hopeless, feeling numb. And I know that's probably really sick and fucked up, but I don't care. That's what the Invasion of the Body Snatchers does. Like those credits hit and you're just like, holy shit. Okay, like nobody, nobody won. Nobody survived. Everybody fucking died. I'm moving on to my top two. And I'm sure nobody's going to be surprised by these if you know anything about me. Um, in second place, I have Jaws from 1975. Um, Again, I hate to keep using the word iconic, but that's just the best way to describe it. Like, this is one of the most iconic films ever made. This was PG, by the way. I believe Jaws is rated PG, which is like sick as fuck. Um, like they were just like, oh yeah, we'll just traumatize a bunch of children, whatever. It's fine. I was one of those children. Obviously not in the 70s because I was born in 1995. Um, but my parents showed me this like before the age of five. And I to this day am terror like sharks are my biggest fear and i've done a lot of research on sharks and i know that they're not necessarily dangerous to humans like a lot of the times they'll just leave us alone it's not like they have a taste for human flesh like they make it seem in jaws but i don't care this movie traumatized me it made me absolutely terrified of the water like including pools like every time i'm in a pool i just have the irrational fear that there is a shark underneath me and jaws did that and jaws did that to a lot of people and like imagine one movie being able to do that to millions of people and this one comes close i think to halloween and an argument can be made for both of them that like this also 
is this could be the most iconic score in horror or like in cinema in general, really. And like, this is another one where everybody knows what this music is from. You do not even have to see Jaws to know where the music is from. And this one, like Texas Chainsaw, I really love because of the unknown. Like the shark only has something like four minutes of screen time, maybe, if even that. And like, again, this is one where your mind just fills in those blanks. Like you feel like you see the shark so much more than you actually do, but you don't. Now, again, this whole movie traumatized me, but there is one scene in particular that even to this day as a 28 year old adult, I still have a difficult time watching. And it's the one that like really did me in for having shark trauma for the rest of my life. And it's the scene where Michael, the kid is in the pond and the fisherman comes up to him and he's like, hey, you boys okay over there? And they all get knocked off their boats and like the fisherman's boat gets like knocked upside down. And as he's going to climb onto it, there is this overhead shot and we see the shark and obviously he does it because it's underwater, but the shark is sideways and like opens its mouth and bites him by the leg. And just like that two seconds ruined me destroyed me forever embedded in my brain literally any time i'm in a body of water that is the exact scene it's not even a scene it's two seconds that is the exact shot i think of is that moment yeah that shot honestly fucked me up so bad like again to this day i watch it and i still get chills and then jaws 2 came out in 1978 and i think jaws 2 is like almost equally as good honestly i mean no not equally like i think the original jaws is better but jaws 2 is also really really good um i just these movies i am thinking of it now and i'm not in water i'm not near water i am fully dry and i'm still just like ugh, getting like quivering at the thought of a shark but in first place again if you've listened to me for any amount of time um i'm sure you guys know what's coming but this movie is actually my second favorite horror movie of all time behind psycho so it's definitely my number one favorite of the 70s, and it is none other than The Exorcist from 1973. If I had one wish, I think honestly it might be that I was alive in 1973 to see this movie in the theaters when it came out. I would give a limb to be there. I would give a fucking arm to have been there in the theater when this movie came out because the stories of people passing out, of women going into premature labor, of people having heart attacks. Like, yes, I think some of it was publicity and some of it was like dramatized, but I absolutely believe that that was happening. Like, if you've seen this movie, of you know why it was happening. Like, imagine that is controversial like the shots and the things that they had in that movie were controversial for now 2024 like imagine seeing that in the 70s like a 12 year old girl masturbating with a cross and telling you your mother sucks cock in hell what the fuck like that's enough to make me pass out now are you insane and once again just the score of this movie tubular bells is so haunting and this movie made it haunting like if I had heard that before I saw this, I probably would have thought nothing of it. But now like just having it affiliated, like the sound of it sends a chill down my spine. This movie, I watched it when I was really young. And like personally, it never scared me because I grew up with my family talking about it. Um, I, I watched this when I was probably 13, but I had known about it for years because my family all still talked about how traumatized they were by it. Like they never stopped talking about it. And then I finally watched it when I was 13 with them. And I think because I was with like such a big group and people who had already seen it and they kind of like laughed about it, um, it didn't scare me. But I do truly believe this to be the scariest movie ever made. I think this movie was a game changer. I think it was a turning point in horror cinema. 
Um, and honestly, like I really don't think any possession movie is ever going to top it. I don't think they ever could even come close. But let me tell you guys something. Read this book because honestly, the book is scarier than the movie. And I know that's hard to believe because like I said, again, I think the movie is like the scariest movie ever made. But the book actually fucking scared me. I was reading the book and I had to turn the lights on. Like I had to turn more lights on because I was like, I don't, I'm, this isn't sitting right with me. Like this is actually freaking me the fuck. I swear. I don't know what it is, but that book is chilling. This is another one that I touched on in my cursed films episode because there was just a lot of weird shit that happened surrounding this movie. And this is one that I'm probably honestly going to do a full episode of because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff like facts and whatnot that I actually really like about this movie. Um, like the story about the woman who did the voice of Reagan and what she put herself through to be able to accomplish that voice. It's honestly incredible. Um, so that's, there's more to come on that. I probably will do a full episode on that because it's really interesting to me at least. So yeah, that's my top 10 of the seventies. And there's some movies that I know that you guys are probably like, why did you not include this? So let's talk about some of those and let's just talk about some other movies from the seventies in general. Now this is a movie I brought up and, um, I already brought up and obviously it wasn't included in my top 10, but alien from 1979. So this is another one, like I said about Rosemary's baby earlier. I 1000% respect it and I respect its place in horror cinema. It's just not one of my favorites. I do think this one held up. I'm not saying it like Rosemary's Baby where I didn't think that one held up. I do think Alien held up and I think it's like still an incredible movie. It's just not a personal favorite. And um, maybe I'll feel different about that. Like this is another one that I would like to revisit because I only saw it like maybe twice a long time ago. Um, I completely think Ellen Ripley is one of the most badass final girls the alien chest popping scene is one of the greatest scenes in horror cinema. So I'm in no way hating on this movie. Uh, again, it's just not one of my favorites personally. A couple other movies I went back and forth with uh, adding to my top 10, one of which being The Wicker Man from 73. I mean, the main reason for that is because Christopher Lee is in it and like, I worship that man, kind of like I worship Jessica Lange. And again, like The Wicker Man is just another staple in horror cinema and then another one i almost added not talked about nearly as much as a lot of these but the brood from 1979 so that's a cronenberg movie and i'm just a sucker for cronenberg body horror um i think he's one of the greatest horror directors to ever live and the brood just sticks with me for the scene where she literally gives birth to a baby and then licks it clean it is vile it is sick and i love everything about it now the 70s is also when the person who I do believe to be the greatest horror director of all time, Wes Craven, actually started to come about because his first movie came out in 1972 and it was The Last House on the Left. And uh, that's one of two very disturbing movies that came out like in this decade that have had remakes since. And the other one is I Spit on Your Grave, which came out in 1978. And both of these movies, believe it or not, I actually prefer the remakes. Um, Last House on the Left, especially the 2009 version is actually in my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. Which again, if you know anything about me, that's a big fucking deal because I've literally watched thousands upon thousands of horror movies. So to be in my top 10 is like pretty important. I do like Wes Craven's version. I honestly think it's probably because I watched the 2009 version first and it just like really stuck with me. Um, maybe it would have been different if I watched the 72 version first. I don't know. A movie that is usually very highly discussed and regarded in the horror community also came out in the 70s and it's A Clockwork Orange from 1971. Personally, I think it's overrated. Um, personally, I think a lot of Stanley Kubrick's movies are overrated because 2001 A Space Odyssey also, when did that come out? That was the 60s. Yeah, 1968. 
I also think that movie is incredibly overrated. And we'll get to this next episode when we're talking about the 80s, but I also think The Shining is overrated. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm just not really a Kubrick fan. So A Clockwork Orange came out. And like, don't get me wrong. Like this is an, I re- any movie, even if I don't like it, I respect them. And I very much respect Stanley Kubrick and his work and A Clockwork Orange to the point where I was actually Alex DeLarge one year for Halloween in college and nobody knew who I was because nobody is cultured anymore. So the 70s is also home to the movie that is probably the most disturbing movie I've ever seen, I would say, honestly. And that movie is Salo or 120 Days of Sodom from 1975. Um, so this movie was based off of the book created by Marquis de Sade and the Marquis de Sade was such a sick fuck that the word sadism literally is derived from his last name. So that should tell you all that you need to know. Now, usually when I tell people that this is the most disturbing movie I've ever seen, they are like, oh, well, you must not have seen a Serbian film. Shut the fuck up. I have seen a Serbian film, which like I'm not proud of, but I have seen it. And for some reason, Salo stuck with me more. Um, I don't know what it is about that movie, but it just like really fucking rubbed me the wrong way and really disgusted me and just made me feel so physically dirty. So that came out in 1975. I do not recommend it. I'm looking at this list and I'm like, damn, the 70s had a lot of bangers though, because the Rocky Horror Picture Show also came out in the 70s. And this just, this is just a cult classic. Uh, This is another one that I want to revisit because I feel like I just haven't watched this enough that like I should watch this much more than I have, especially as somebody who is a lover of horror musicals and musicals in general. Like, and Tim Curry. What am I doing? I got sidetracked earlier after talking about Last House on the Left, but this was also the year that Wes Craven released The Hills Have Eyes. So he really did come out with two iconic horror movies in this decade. And um, as you'll see in the 80s and 90s, he is only going to follow up with more iconic horror movies. So we'll get to that in the next episodes. So this is another one that people are probably yelling at me, like, how could you not include this in your top 10? And it's Dawn of the Dead from 1978. Personally, I think that Night of the Living Dead is the superior movie. Um, I do enjoy Dawn of the Dead. I actually think I like the Dawn of the Dead remake better, to be honest. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, Dawn of the Dead, again, 78, iconic, paved the way. Um, And I'll probably do a whole episode about zombies, so we'll talk about this more. But Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead from 78, and then Day of the Dead from 1985, I believe, are actually a trilogy by George Romero. And the whole point of the trilogy is like Night of the Living Dead, we get invaded, right? Like the zombies start taking over. In Dawn of the Dead, we're losing. The humans are losing. And in Day of the Dead, we've lost. So now we're in an underground bunker and the zombies have completely taken over. So if you watch the three of them like that, like it's really an interesting progression. So highly recommend that. While we're on the topic of zombies, uh, the movie Zombie or Zombie 2 actually came out in 1979 and that's by Lucio Fulci. So this is an Italian horror film and it was actually meant to be a sequel to Night Night of the Living Dead or Dawn of the Dead. I don't remember which, but it's meant to be a sequel to one of those. And this movie has what I believe to be one of the most iconic zombie scenes of all time. And that is a zombie underwater fighting a shark. You heard me right. A couple more people are probably questioning why I didn't add to my top 10. So Phantasm from 79. Um, I do really like Phantasm and I think the tall man is absolutely terrifying. It just didn't have that much of an effect on me like it did to a lot of people. And it's probably just because I watched it later in life. Like I don't have any hatred or anything towards that movie. Um, And I feel the same way about Salem's Lot from 79. So Salem's Lot was actually originally created as a miniseries. And I feel the same way about this one that I do about the 1990 It miniseries in that 
when you watch it as a movie, it kind of drags because there's a lot of in between that they were using to fill because, again, it was a series. And I think a lot of that could be taken out and it could be a really great movie. Um, but Salem's Lot, it has that scene of the kid in the window and that is nightmare fuel, like traumatized an entire generation. And I understand that. But other than that, like I honestly, and don't hate me for this, I don't think this movie entirely or this series, whatever you want to call it, I don't think it held up entirely. And I think we could use... Uh, new version and i think we're actually getting a new version i thought we were supposed to get it last year maybe we're getting it this year who knows but i'm excited to see that but i really don't think they will be able to top the scene of the kid in the window because again nightmare fuel traumatizing speaking of stephen king this is actually one of his favorite movies that came out in 1979 and it's called tourist trap um i like tourist trap i wouldn't say it's one of my favorites but uh the reason i actually even watched tourist trap ever or even heard about it was because again i heard that it was one of stephen king's favorites so i immediately ran to watch it because i respect and agree with anything that that man says so we also had the original amityville horror come out this year 19 uh, or this decade 1979 um superior to the remake i know ryan reynolds is in it and everybody's obsessed with him but whatever sorry it's just not really a good movie 79 is way better again you really just don't realize how many iconic movies came out in the 70s until you sit down and look at it because i'm like i thought this was going to be a really quick recap and a quick retelling but i'm looking at it and i'm like damn there's so many movies that we can discuss from this time and honestly the 80s is going to be even longer because my list for the 80s is way longer and there's a lot more movies that i love in the 80s i honestly would argue that the 80s is probably the greatest generation for horror ever I think. I think I would put it over the 70s. But I'll make a final decision on that next week when we go over 80s horror and I count down my top 10 from the 80s, which I have a feeling I'm going to have a much harder time with than I did with this list. Um, but anyway, thanks for coming along on this journey with me. I hope maybe you have some new recommendations of some 70s movies that you haven't seen and that you want to see, or maybe even some 60s movies that you haven't seen, because I know we were talking about the 70s, but we went off on a little tangent there. So hopefully your list of movies you want to watch is expanding. So thanks for coming along with me. Next week, we'll probably just do the 80s. Honestly, we'll probably just continue this series. And uh, until then, you know where to follow me, but horror underscore chronicles on TikTok and Instagram. I post on TikTok basically every single day. So make sure you go and keep up with me. And until next time, watch more horror movies and stay spooky, my friends.